Welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stephropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. I stumbled into Yollywood in October 2019 and did just over 30 projects in my first year, including two months in a bubble for a Netflix movie called Red Notice. So I think I have something valuable to share with anyone who's interested in listening. Are you an up-and-coming background actor who wants to learn more? Listen in. The film and TV industry has a whole vocabulary of its own, which was the original subject of this episode. I hadn't intended on doing an entire show about the First Wives Club, but I did this TV show three times in the past two weeks, and a number of things happened that I wanted to talk about. I do cover some industry terminology here, but your best bet to learn the most common terms is to listen to Season 1, Episode 4, where I cover terms such as crafty, earmark, pantomime, banana, and martini shot. Here's what I cover in this episode. Some terminology such as walla walla, carrying background, and cattle calls. A strategy for getting the best crafty food. Leadership when everyone's just standing around wondering what to do. The response challenge when submitting for multiple jobs that happen on the same day. Revised call times after you've gone to bed. The ins and outs of a cattle call and running into old friends. I'll get started after the break. Walla walla. After doing background jobs for 15 months, this was a first. I had never heard this term before. It's January 18th, 2021, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and there I was in the sweet Auburn district of Atlanta, literally blocks from where he was born in the King Center and Ebenezer Baptist Church. What are the chances of that happening? Filming in front of the beautiful brick building on Auburn Avenue at the corner of Bell Street, Marcus, whom I'd met the week before, and who I believe is an AD on the set, was instructing us that in the next shoot, we'd actually be able to talk. Thank the Lord! You can only do so much pantomiming before your mouth gets tired of fake talking and you stop wondering what the hell the other person is mouthing at you. I was paired with Christy, who's new to the business. Yes, we had had a real conversation between takes. Marcus is from London and has a wonderful British accent, so maybe this is a term from over there? Anyway, he calls us Walla Walla, and here's what it means. It means background can actually talk, for real, out loud, as they're filming, because they want to pick up the sound of it. So we prepare to do Walla Walla as the scene starts. But when Vanessa walks over to Mark, and they start talking, we revert to pantomime. And when they're done, and she returns to the podium, we start the Walla Walla again. This must be a British term, like loo for toilet, and lift for elevator, and bum for butt. Let me digress for a minute and take us off topic. I learned something new about crafty today. As usual, there was food for the crew and food for background. All morning, we hadn't been told we could go to Crafty. Then, five hours into shooting, someone told us we could, so I ran over to the table. Immediately, someone came over and tried to shoo me away, but I stood my ground and pointed at the woman with the Jamaica fanny pack that had sent me over. The girl behind the table was confused because she herself didn't know whether we were allowed to get food or not. So someone instructed her to let us have only the crap behind her on the top shelf. But it wasn't top shelf the way liquor can be top shelf. It was greasy chips and a big bowl of bad Halloween candy, neither of which I eat. But I got a tiny charm pop just to make her feel useful. I never ate it. However, here's what I learned. Five minutes before this all happened, the new person next to me touched something on the table and was immediately told to not touch anything. But now that he touched it, he had to take it. Did you hear that? 
Now that he touched it, he had to take it. That was it. All I had to do to get the good crafty food was to touch everything on the table that I wanted. And the rules would dictate that I had to take it because I had touched it with my potentially COVID-covered hands. Yay, I had unlocked a new secret. Of course, I didn't try this on the spot, but I'll seriously consider it in the future if I can pretend to be innocently uninformed about how this all works. Oh, and here's another lesson on leadership. In the morning after we checked in and changed at the Georgia World Congress Center, we were instructed to self-drive, that means drive yourself, to the set in downtown Atlanta, about three miles away. Of course, they gave us printed instructions, but they started at 400 Marietta Street, a good mile from where we actually were. That's because although that's the address they give us, it's really just the corner where you turn before entering the gulch maze that gets you to the red lot if you're lucky. And then from the red lot, you walk another mile inside the building to get to check-in. So anyone following these instructions to get to the downtown set from here would have gotten completely lost. The smart people like me just used our GPS. We all got there, stood in the parking lot for 20 minutes looking at each other. There was a few tables set up, but the two people there didn't say anything to us. We were supposed to be handed off from Ryan at check-in to a woman whose name starts with T, but she was nowhere to be found. I flagged down a shuttle driver and asked if she could radio Ryan to let him know the woman was missing in action. She agreed to. After 20 minutes, I got closer to the food table and noticed that the white 8.5x11 piece of paper taped to its front had written on it one word in pencil so light that you couldn't see it from two feet away. It said background. I asked them if it was okay for us to eat since we had no idea where what's-your-name was. And they said yes. So I started a line and everyone else got behind me. Later, people thanked me for taking the initiative to get that going. As I've said, if you just stand around wondering what's going on, you'll never get anywhere. I single-handedly got the entire background group fed so that we had all finished eating when it was time to walk to set. It was cold and there was nowhere to easily eat, so I ended up back in my car with the heat blasting. I eventually saw a crowd gathering and, like a lemming, joined them. That woman never showed up. Instead, Ryan joined us and led us to the set a few blocks away. The COVID drill today was completely different from last week. There were no COVID check-in tables. Instead, they took our temperature outside a bar on Auburn Avenue. And poor Ryan made it very clear to not get near him without a mask because he has a compromised immune system. He had been diagnosed with leukemia around the time the pandemic started. I felt bad. Others kept telling us to keep six feet away from each other and if eating, walk about a mile away from everyone else before removing your mask. We may as well have been in a different state today with its own set of rules. Unlike last week, there were no threats of immediate expulsion for drooping masks. There was a parking glitch at the red deck today for the first time. There was a man in the booth. I showed him my phone to scan. It didn't do anything. I told him the show I was there for. He didn't care. There was another event happening today, which was why he was checking people. I had no idea if I'd have trouble getting out. I didn't. It was the same crew running the show today, Renee calling the shots, Leslie telling BG where to be and what to do, with Josiah running the camera, and Marcus, of course, the same AD from last week. He remembered me and called me by name, which made me feel special, although I'm not special at all. I'm just background. On my way out, I asked him what episode this was and said, see you next time, and I honestly hope I do. I'm one of those people who will try to find him on IMDb so that I can guess at his last name and then maybe look him up on LinkedIn, although I don't think that most industry people know what LinkedIn is. So much for that. I'll never find him online. After the break, I'll get back to the lingo. 
My final terminology lesson is the term carrying background. What does it mean? Carrying background means that a production will hire and pay background actors for a consecutive number of days, whether they work all of the days or not. I was carried on red notice for nine weeks. Shows that opt to carry will vary on how the process works, including the length of time background are carried. For example, a show may choose to hire you as a background actor for a five-day work week. But of those five days, you may work only on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You're carried and paid for Tuesdays and Thursdays, even though you may not have worked those days. In another scenario, you may be booked for COVID-19 testing on a Monday to work Thursday. A production may decide to carry you on the Tuesday and Wednesday in between. On red notice, we worked Monday through Saturday, but not Sundays, although we were paid for them. There are many reasons a show may decide to carry background actors, mainly in an effort to ensure the health and safety on the set. If you are being carried on a show, you are booked on that show for all of the days you are being carried, regardless of whether you're scheduled to be on set or not. It's up to all of us to do our part to stop the spread of COVID and ensure the safety of our co-workers on set. If you're carried on a show, you should never double book yourself on another project. The show carrying you basically owns you for those days, is paying you for those days, and expects you to be totally available to them on those days. It's important to note that not all productions will choose to carry background, and some may only choose to carry a core amount. Your experience may differ from production to production. On red notice, to keep background to a manageable number, instead of hiring 200 people, they chose to carry just 40 of us. Logistically, it's cheaper for them to hire 40 people and use them to play multiple background characters than hiring a much larger number of people. Okay, so let me explain something about submissions and the timing because it can get really messed up, especially when you are submitting yourself for multiple jobs for the same day and you are waiting to hear back from all those production companies, those casting companies, and you have no idea how long it's going to take for them to get back to you. And then some of them start coming back to you and you have to give them an answer pretty quickly. So here's what happened this week. Today is Wednesday, January 20th. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala, Kamala Harris were just uh, inaugurated, so it's a very exciting day. Anyway, um, yesterday, Tuesday, I submitted for First Wives Club for this Friday. I was also, that's a push. Basically, there's a push and there's a pull. The push is when you submit yourself. Most of the time, you are submitting yourself and waiting to hear back. The problem is, they don't tell you how long it's going to take for them to get back to you. And if you don't hear back, you can assume you weren't picked, but you don't know how long to wait before you make that assumption. Is it two hours? Is it two days? Is it two weeks? You don't know. The pull is when the company contacts you and says, hey, are you available? So I basically did a push for First Wives Club yesterday, waiting to hear back. But then Central Casting did a pull with me. They reached out to me and said, hey, DJ, are you available to do stand-in work on Doom Patrol on Friday? Same day as First Wives Club. So I said yes, because in reality, I'm still available until somebody books me, and I haven't heard back from First Wives Club yet. So both of these were hanging out overnight, and then what happened today was I heard back from First Wives Club first, but I really wanted to do Doom Patrol because it's stand-in work and it pays twice as much, and I love the show, and I haven't worked on it for about a year, year, so it would be fun to go back and do that. 
So before responding to First Wife's Club with a yes, I'll do the job, I actually called Central Casting and said, are you still deciding what's going on? And they basically explained the whole process to me, which I already knew. But the issue is they don't give you a time frame. They don't say, we will get back to you within six hours and let you know, or we will at least let you know if you weren't picked. They don't tell you anything, so you don't know when they've made the decision. So you really don't know if you're picked or not. If you're picked, obviously they're going to tell you, but you don't know how long that decision is going to take. So long story short, if you end up in a situation like that, you may have to proactively reach out to one or more of the casting companies to see if they've made a decision or not before you commit to another job. Otherwise, you're going to double book yourself. Um, So she basically said, you weren't picked. If you were picked, we would have told you yesterday because the COVID tests were today, Wednesday. And so you would have had to have known that. So anyway, long story short, um, I ended up going with First Wives Club, but um, hopefully Doom Patrol will pan out at some point down the road. And then today uh, I was also pinged again by Central Casting for Jersey stand-in, which I've done before. And I said, yes, I'm available because I am. There might be some type of conflict um, next week sometime because what happens is I've got full day booking on Sunday and next Friday and I think on Sunday they want me to do a COVID test I'm not going to block off an entire day just for a, what, a 30 minute COVID test so hopefully the times don't overlap but if they do I'm going to be in a jam there I'm I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to have to work around the testing or I don't know, cancel or something, but that doesn't make any sense either because why would you cancel an entire day's worth of work for, you know, a 30-minute a COVID test? Um, so that's my story on submissions for the week. You're either doing a push, you are submitting yourself, or it's a pull, a casting company is calling you. And the long and short of it is, it's kind of messy and nobody tells you how long it's going to take them to decide and if they'll get back to you or not. You can assume they're not going to get back to you unless they pick you, but you don't know how long that's going to take. That's it. Hey there, just wanted to share something that happened to me last night and today regarding the email confirmation you get for your call time the day before your actual background job. Today is Friday, January 22nd, 2021. So I was booked for a gig uh, on First Wives Club in Atlanta, and they had told me to expect an email on Thursday night between 10 p.m. and midnight. Well, I go to bed at 10 o'clock, so I was about to wait up till midnight for an email to arrive to tell me when I had to be there on Friday. So I waited till 10.15, went to bed, set my alarm for 12.01 a.m. Alarm goes off, and luckily, the email's there, and the email says, your call time is 12 noon on Friday. And I'm like, great, because I normally get up at 6 o'clock, and that would give me six whole hours to get up and do some work and normal stuff and get ready and be there on time. Well, when I got up, I fortunately looked at my email. There was a second email that had arrived at 1.05 a.m., and that second email said, no, your call time is not 12 noon on Friday. It's been changed to 11 a.m. So luckily, I saw that. Um... And then normally this doesn't happen, or if it does happen overnight, normally the call time gets pushed out. It doesn't get pulled in. Um, Primarily because if you don't see that email till the morning and it gets pulled in too close, 
there wouldn't even be time for you to get there. I mean, imagine getting up at six o'clock and finding a second email that says your call time is at seven o'clock. Well, you're probably not going to make it in time or even crazier, six o'clock or five o'clock. Well, you basically slept through your revised call time. Um, so the moral of the story is you'll get that email the day before. It might be very late, but you'll get it. Um, the second point is always check your email again because they may change the call time on you and they're going to expect you to see subsequent emails that revise that call time. Uh, third point is they normally push them out, but sometimes, as in my case here, they pulled it in. And the last point is... Um, not seeing those subsequent emails is not an excuse for not arriving at time. They're going to expect you to see those subsequent emails and get there on time, whatever that revised time might be. Hope this helps. It's still Friday, January 22nd. 2021. I just got booked on Cobra Kai for the first time. I'm psyched, but I'm not psyched. It's some spinoff show from The Karate Kid, but I've never seen it. I think I've applied in the past, but I've never got on it. So it's February 2nd up in Duluth. I'm guessing it's at the Infinite Energy Center, which is where I saw Cher a few years ago. But we're spectators at, I believe, a hockey game because they're looking for real hockey players, and I'm not a real hockey player, so they didn't pick me for that. But, oh well, um, things are kind of filling up um, much more so than I expected. So it should be fun. I will definitely report on it when it's over. Okay, I forgot to mention the most important point. Why am I not psyched about Cobra Kai? Uh, it's primarily because the pay is not very good. It's $80 for eight hours, which is, you know, the lowest possible rate I ever worked for. Um, but more importantly, it's a cattle call, I can tell. A cattle call, and this is definitely relevant to this episode, a cattle call is when they hire like a thousand people for a scene and you're basically a nothing. I mean... The last time I did one of these um, up at Infinite en Energy Center was for, uh, the, the code name was Queen of Soul, but it's for a movie called, I can never remember this. It's either Respect or Freedom with Jennifer Hudson playing, uh, <laughs> I can't remember her name, um, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm having a senior moment here. Anyway, they literally hired a thousand people to go and sit in the Infant Energy Center and pretend that, that it was Madison Square Garden. And it's just insane because everything takes 10 times as long because you've got a thousand people that have to wait in lines to check in, to go through wardrobe, to go through hair and makeup. You know, dinner was a total fiasco. Getting out of there was a fiasco. It was insane. So just so you know, you know, I don't know how you're going to tell this when you apply for something, maybe through the wording of the description of what the role is, but once you do a cattle call, you'll get a sense of whether you like them or not. Um, I thought I was going to get out of there pretty quickly because all they gave me was like a tie and a shirt, and it still took me an, a good hour to get out of there. It was just crazy, and I think they ran out of food for dinner. It was just it was just nuts, um, just, just too much. Um, on the flip side, the smallest background role I ever played was on um, Lovecraft Country. There were four of us in the scene, which is wonderful because the all eyes are on you. It's basically just you and the people making the movie. 
Um, so that's what a cattle call is, and that's why I'm not totally psyched about Cobra Kai, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I haven't done one of these in a while. See ya! It's Friday night, January 22nd, 2021. It's 10.20, I know. It's 20 minutes past my bedtime, but there's a couple things I had to relay in this episode. So the word for today was copy that. And it's relevant because it's a piece of terminology that terminology, it's a piece of uh, industry terminology um, that people use all the time. And so I heard it again today and I thought, yeah, that'd be great for this episode. And what it basically means is, yes, I heard you. I understand that. So the next time somebody tells you something, you can say, copy that as a way of saying, I got it, okay? Um, today was a really short day. As I mentioned earlier, the call time was 11 o'clock. We were done at 1.15, super short day. Um, it was wonderful getting out of there so quickly. Um, short days like that are a rarity, but they really, really make up for those 16-hour days, which are probably closer to the norm. It all evens out in the end. I ran into people today from past jobs, so that was really interesting and unexpected. First was Mike Simina. Mike and I worked together on MacGyver uh, last spring sometime, probably March of 2020, at GameX in downtown Atlanta. And then I ran into him again on Red Notice in the bubble I lived in for nine weeks in Peachtree City. And I recalled when I first saw him that we had worked on MacGyver, and I told him, but I'm not sure he totally remembered it. Anyway, the episode just aired a few weeks ago, so I posted on Facebook and tagged him in it today just so he'd see it. Um... He was great to work with. We had a blast. And I think spending nine weeks with somebody, you really get to know them. And I think we left some kind of indelible mark on him because he made some really heartfelt speeches um, at a couple of points during that production. And it really helped us understand and see what an impact we could have on somebody's life, especially when you know there were challenging things going on uh, regarding his PA position. Whatever was happening that we were not privy to, he made it very clear that you know we were we were making things good for him, and he really liked working for us. So that was really nice to hear, and that's not something that you normally would hear, especially if you're doing day jobs here and there, because you don't really get to know the PAs very well. They you're lucky if they know your name and remember it. Um, speaking of which, I also ran into Marcus today. Marcus, as you recall, was the PA, I'm not sure what his role is, he's an AD or a PA, on First Wives Club. So I ran into him, um, today was my third day working on it. He was on it the first two days. Today he wasn't working on it, but as I was leaving the Red Deck, he was going into the Red Deck with a skateboard or something, and I said, hey, are you working? And he said, no, not today, but I'll be back on it next week. Well, I won't see him because although I applied to work next Monday, I did not get picked. So uh, that was Marcus. And the third person I ran to was Kate. Um, Kate is this tall, blonde woman that I met in January of 2020 at the Fox Theater while filming Respect. The theater was meant to represent a theater in Paris. Um, I'm not sure what year it was, but Aretha Franklin was there touring and we were all guests in the audience and Kate was my date for the night. She was really fascinating to talk to. Um, based on the story she told about living in London and England with her children and how that influenced her behavior and how she raised her kids. And it was just really fascinating because she lives way, way up in, I don't know, Cherokee County somewhere. And it just seemed really interesting that somebody with that kind of 
experience and worldly knowledge um, would be living in such a rural area of Georgia. But anyway, um, the last time I worked on her was last March, filming three months at Lips on Buford Highway, and that's when COVID basically shut everything down. So I haven't seen her since then, and we didn't really have a lot of time to catch up today because our day was really cut short. So we just kind of said hello and exchanged some quick pleasantries. But it was a really short day, just one scene, um, basically walking, and uh, that was about it. So um, that was my third and, uh, for the time being, final day on First Wives Club um, in January of 2021. So as soon as I ran into Mike Simina this morning, I immediately jumped onto our Facebook Messenger group for the Red Notice friends I have. This has been going, living on. Here we are two months after leaving the, sh- the, sh- the production and we're still chatting on that like, like it's an ongoing thing. And I said, hey, I just ran into Mike and I wonder what his role is on this. And someone chimed in, I think it was Terry, and she said, I think he's the key set PA for that show. And I confirmed that later today on my way out. I asked Caitlin, another PA on the job today, what his job was there. And she said, yes, he's the key set PA. So I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I think it means perhaps the other PAs report to him or he's responsible for them or something along those lines. But I'll have to look it up or ask him the next time I see him. And remember on Monday when we all went to the parking lot where we self-drove ourselves, we were supposed to meet Tia, the woman whose name begins with T, and she never showed up. Um, I met her today. She was on the set. Um, Not really what I expected. She was really timid, and she was literally coming up and giving us instructions and almost whispering, like talking in this really low sotto voce voice and I'm thinking why are you being so meek like we can't even hear you you've got 25 people here and you're literally talking to three people in the first row thinking everyone can hear you it was ridiculous I didn't understand it at all it made no sense to me but I did get to meet Tia so I know in the future if I'm ever on First Wives Club Tia's Tia's the person who who basically whispers instead of shouts. Speaking of that, Mike was extremely quiet today. It was really weird because he talked so much on Red Notice. And today he was standing there kind of overseeing what was going on, but he barely said anything. So maybe that's one of the perks of being a key set PA. I don't know. Here's a recap of today's episode. Pantomime means you can fake talk, while walla walla means you can talk for real, but this term may be used only in England. Your access to crafty food will be limited, and the crew will have better food than you in most cases. Don't touch anything on the table unless you really want it. Take charge when no one else is leading. Figure out what's going on and lead the herd where it should be going. It's great to have a production carry you because it means they're paying you for days you may not even be working. Submitting yourself for jobs that occur on the same day can be tricky because there's no clearly defined response time for hearing back from casting companies. If you're forced to commit to one of them, you may want to call all of the other ones to confirm they don't want you on the same day. When you get your call time the night before, don't assume it's cast in stone. They could change it while you're sleeping. 
A cattle call is one that has a huge number of background and everything takes much longer. Once you've worked a cattle call, you'll definitely have an opinion on whether you like them or not. A pleasant surprise is being paid for eight hours when you work only two, and sometimes this happens. Careersinfilm.com describes a key PA as someone, quote, in charge of wrangling a team of two or three set PAs, the entry-level positions on the set, unquote. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.